Hi, welcome to Navigating the Spectrum with Michelle Portlock. I'm your host, Michelle Portlock, and I'm sure happy to be with you today. My guest today is Kelly Morgan. Kelly is an ASHA certified speech language pathologist who has worked in a variety of settings, which include private practice, public schools, hospitals, outpatient clinics, and most recently, the UNLV Ackerman Autism Center. Kelly grew up skiing and mountain biking in the mountains of Utah. She graduated cum laude from the University of Utah with a bachelor's in communication sciences and disorders, and then moved on to earn her master's degree from the University of Washington in Seattle. She fell in love with the Pacific Northwest and remained there for 14 years. She's completed additional training in AAC, including LAMP, which is language acquisition through motor planning, social thinking, prompt, uh, restructuring oral motor phonetic targets, and the Hainan Parent Training Programs, More Than Words, and It Takes Two to Talk. She has a passion for augmentative and alternative communication and hopes to bring more awareness to these services. She now resides in the Pacific Northwest once again with her husband and two girls. She continues to enjoy the mountains and outdoors where she and her family can be found camping, hiking, paddleboarding, kayaking, and biking. We are so happy to have you with us today, Kelly. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Kelly, let's just jump right into our questions. What is AAC? So AAC stands for Augmentative and Alternative Communication, and this can really include anything from um, a low-tech option, such as a picture communication board or even signs, to high-tech options, such as a speech-generating device or app. And uh, these options may be an augmentative system for a child that has some verbal communication um, that maybe is hard to understand or not always functional, or an alternative uh, system for a child who is completely nonverbal. How can using AAC help children diagnosed on the autism spectrum? So AAC is a multisensory intervention, meaning that it can offer visual and auditory feedback to language and helps to use motor planning principles to teach communication. Um, Okay, amazing. We've talked about what AAC is. Now can you explain how AAC helps children diagnosed on the autism spectrum? So AAC is a multisensory intervention, meaning that it can offer visual and auditory feedback to language. And it helps use uh, strengths that the child may have, such as motor planning skills and the motor planning principles to teach communication. So these components help to make language and communication less abstract for children with autism. They are not intuitive, and it does take a lot of teaching and work for one to be um, a successful user, and family support is key. Um, But AAC intervention can use different tools like aided language simulation, where the person talking with the child also uses the device or the picture communication system to help model the language. AAC can help with both um, receptive and expressive language for children with autism, as well as literacy skills. When we look at 
uh, AAC options for children with autism. Uh, we are also, we're not just looking at the nonverbal child. The verbal child with autism often does benefit from some sort of augmentative system as well, because a lot of their communication may be prompted or echolalic or use of scripts, or they're only using language to request, but they're not expanding into any sort of other uh, communicative social interaction. So AAC is really a system that we can use for most children with autism could benefit from some sort of AAC intervention. Excellent. Is AAC often used in clinics, in autism clinics? It, it depends. Um, here in Southern Nevada, I've seen the it's very mixed. It depends a lot on the parents' perception of AAC and their knowledge of AAC, the family support, the school system makes a big difference, um, and whether or not the SLP was specifically trained in AAC. Um, there's a lot of stigma around AAC. Uh, in some cases, it's seen as a failure model, where is my child is still not talking at five, so now I'll look at AAC. Where is that something that we need to get away from? The research shows that early intervention with AAC is much better, um, and we see better outcomes for language growth as well as literacy skills. Um, so. Family and school support makes a big difference. Uh, sometimes a school district may be um, really knowledgeable at one specific system, but that system isn't necessarily the best match for the child. So the child didn't have success, so they're not trying something else. Um, sometimes we have a kid that is very successful using his device in um, the clinic or the home setting even, but the teacher is a little nervous about it and doesn't know how to use it, so doesn't use it at school. Um, so there's a lot of barriers to having good intervention with AAC, but once you can kind of knock down those walls and get through those barriers, that um, children do really well. It is a very successful program from what I'm hearing um, you say mm -hmm. and can be if it's used correctly. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about uh, the difference between speech and language. How is speech different than language? So this is where um, AAC comes in handy too, and we'll kind of tie that back in. But speech is, um, basically speech is just the motor movement. We have to breathe a certain way. We have to have, well, first of all, that, you know, we have to have the motor planning happen in our brain and it tells our primary motor to breathe a certain way, to build up pressure below our vocal folds, to blow our vocal folds open, to uh, resonate, you know, breath within our voice and move our articulators in a certain way. So a very complex motor system, probably one of the most complex motor systems that our body does. Uh, but it is just the motor. When I talk about speech, it is just the motor aspect. It is not language. Language is communication. Language is, is how we're, um, it's verbal and nonverbal. It's how we're using our eyes and our body to communicate a message. It's how we're requesting, um, commenting, asking questions, answering questions, combining words together, putting together the vocabulary and the grammar necessary to communicate. So they are two separate things. And so what often happens in early intervention is that uh, we start working on 
speech and we're trying to get the child's speech motor system might be delayed in, in being able to get that whole, um, you know, that complex motor system up and running to be able to create speech. And so Mm. we get stuck by just continuing to work on speech. And while we're waiting for speech to come along, we're not doing anything with language. And so then the language gets kind of put on the back burner. And so if we're using AAC and other kinds of interventions early on, we can work on the speech at the same time as the language. Um, And one of the myths around AAC is that if I use a device or I use something to give my child another way to communicate that they won't learn to talk. Um, And that is not true as well. You know, numerous studies have been done on this and shown that, you know, basically multimodal communication. So using multi-modes breeds more communication. So the child is going to choose whatever system is that um, easiest and fastest way for them to get their message across. And if if once they develop more, if that happens to be a verbal communication system, then that's what they're going to use despite being introduced to a device early on or sign language or anything else. Um, We're also seeing that a lot of our kids with autism have some degree of um, apraxia of speech. Um, And this is a a motor planning disorder where basically um, they have difficulty planning out the motor movements. So they not might not happen in sequential order, if at all. And so we might see like a little bit of groping and hard to combine that vocalization with um, the breathing and the uh, articulatory movements. And so they're not, verbal speech is not something that comes easy to them. So even if they do develop the skills necessary to be verbal, they might only be verbal in certain situations and with certain practice phrases. So again, we're going to have to look at AAC options down the road for that child as well. Um, Another reason why we want to make sure we're intervening with the language and communication early on is what we see. You know, I talked about how a child is going to choose the most effective way um, for them to get their message across. And when we leave a child um, without effective ways to communicate for too long, that way to communicate is through behavior. So that child is going to start using behavior as a, a way to protest and communicate that they don't want something, that they do want something. And, and sometimes these behaviors can be challenging. Um, and so it's, again, it's just best if we can kind of work in there early on to work, make sure that we're addressing both the speech and the language difficulties. I think that's very well said. I think it's important to teach um, our children on the autism spectrum how to communicate their needs. And otherwise, like you said, the behavior kicks in and we can have mm-hmm. tantrums and outbursts and uh, various destructive behaviors Mm -hmm. that come into play in order to get the attention of an adult as opposed to effectively communicating. Yes. So I I think you touched on why early intervention is important, but if you feel like we need to add anything else to that, I really liked what you said about beginning early intervention. What else would you add to why it's important? (laughs) So I think one of the biggest um, things that can come out of early intervention is 
is training the parents and getting making sure that the parent has the tools that they need early on um, to be able to help and manage and shape behaviors and communication. Um, it, you know, it's all most good early intervention programs include some sort of parent training program as well, um, because otherwise, you know, there's lots of there's almost too much information out there sometimes about children with autism and everybody has their opinion and what they can find. So mm-hmm. making sure that the parent has access to good quality resources, that they have the tools they need to deal with challenging behaviors in the home, that they have the tools they need to help address communication issues um, and, and help shape that communication. Because, you know, taking your child to therapy is one thing, but that child may um, have some early social communicative intent, but not with a stranger and not with somebody that's new in their life. Or maybe it's only in certain situations like bath time or other times the types of um, activities that you really need to make sure that you're able to be in there with the parent and help them, um, you know, gain those skills so that they can um effectively teach and, and manage and shape those behaviors and communicative intents. I really like that answer. I wasn't expecting you to say for the parents because I thought you were going to say for the child to get okay. to get going and get learning. And I like that it's about the parent too, because it's important when we're talking about autism within families that it is um, a family experience mm-hmm. and it takes the parents doing their part, um, as well as the child doing their part. But you feel sad when parents put it all on the child Mm -hmm. instead of also incorporating it into their own lives. Well, oftentimes the parent is working so hard to just get through the day that they might not see that, um, they're developing some, some bad habits that are going to be really hard to break later on. And, and if you can get in there early and make sure that they, you know, don't have the, they have the tools that they need to be able to shape those behaviors early on. It's not necessarily like a a big overwhelming job for the parents because the parent might have other child children in the home and other things. So it's just Mm -hmm. little tweaks that they can do. But if they start those little tweaks early on, it makes such a big difference down the road for the child and the parent and the whole uh, family dynamic. I love that. So what is the fastest and most efficient way for a child diagnosed on the autism spectrum to learn to communicate? Oh, <laughs> um, you know, and this is where this is where it gets difficult because it, it really does just depend on the child. Um, some children uh-huh. do really well with like a PEC system. Some children um, hate PECs uh, and don't respond well to PECs, but do respond to a, a device or or something um, higher tech. Some kids do well with sign and building communication and engagement. Um, I think early on when you're looking at um, working, starting to work with a family and a child, um, the biggest thing that you can do is building those play and imitation skills because those are all precursors mm-hmm. to language. Um, you know, children learn need to be able to, you know, one of the core deficits of autism is that um, they don't imitate and they have difficulty learning from an interaction, which is um, different from 
some somebody else that uh, you know where they that's where they learn is interaction, and so we need to teach that, get in there and teach that child early on that you know this is cool. This can be fun. Like, I'm cool. Look at me. <laughs> I can do things. <laughs> and, and work on that, those mirror neurons that um, help a child learn to, you know, imitate and, and learn from that imitation. So really, that was kind of a trick question because using the word fastest and language (laughs) don't necessarily go together. No, (laughs) I guess fastest would be is if you could build engagement, you know, and sometimes that and like Mm -hmm. that you said that it doesn't necessarily go together. Sometimes it might take years to build that engagement and some kids might, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're focusing on it might go through it fairly quickly, but engagement is key. Really important for our listeners to hear that. So another question I have for you is what kind of parent-based training resources would you recommend? So I have a couple. So one that I, I love the, the Hannon program. Um, the Hannon program is a program out of Canada, um, where it's basically just a core, um, it's a, it's a core, faucet of their early intervention. It's what every parent does when they're starting early intervention. And I love that. Um, what, what Hannon has done in, in their research is that they have not, um, the, their ideas that they have put together, they, they have not invented, <clears throat> they're not new. There's their strategies that therapists have been using for years and years. Um, but how mm-hmm. they have packaged the materials and, it just is very parent friendly. They spend most of their time researching about parents as adult learners and how adult learners take in, in, in new information. And so hmm. their, um, their classes and their books are just all about making sure that the, uh, the it's, things are phrased in a way that helps um, take parents through a learning cycle so that they can actually gain something from that information. Um, and I, I love their more than words program because it really helps parents understand where the interaction might have gone wrong. Um, and, and one of the things that I think about as the parent a lot is that when you have, um, a child who is, um, more of a, I keep saying feed, the neuropsychologist that I work with, I just mm-hmm. love her, Dr. Beasley. She calls them feed and water kits. When you have a feed and water kid where you just feed and water them and they grow, then um, you don't have to worry about how, you don't have to think about how you're interacting with that child. But when you have a child, child mm-hmm. on the autism spectrum, you have to constantly think about it. So one of the things is the feed and water kid, when they're about nine months old and just starting to discover language, you know, we're using all of that motherese language with them where we're asking questions constantly. So we're not feeling like we're talking to ourselves, but the child is listening and responding to our voice and, and likes hearing our voice and respond. And then that child grows up a little bit and starts to learn some, some language and some words. And so or maybe even some nonverbal interactions and they start communicating with us in a way that, so that we automatically as the parent um, or the caregiver automatically starts 
um, kind of scaling back on what they're saying to the child so that it automatically becomes a balanced interaction. Well, that's what happens with a feed and water kid. But when you have a child who doesn't have those innate social communication skills, then the interaction becomes unbalanced because we as parents or caregivers never really back off on those questions and those motherese. And so the conversation, every conversation that we have with that child is very one-sided and it's, it's us talking at the child and we're not, um, the More Than Words program spends a lot of time kind of making sure that parents can kind of see how the interaction is balanced and learn to mm-hmm. pick up on what maybe really subtle nonverbal cues that child is doing to take a turn. And so that we can learn to kind of make that interaction more balanced in a turn, natural turn-taking interaction that you might have with a feed and water kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really love how it talks about how the child's um, communication style and social communication skills has has an impact on the interaction as well as the parent. You know, are you an on-the-go parent? Are you a helper where you jump in there really soon? I'm definitely a helper where I don't let my kids, you know, um, do it independently first. Um, and so it, I, I love that it, it takes time to do that. And then the other thing that's great about this program is it really helps Um, parents do all of these things and learn how to interact appropriately within our daily routines. So it's not necessarily about spending hours and hours on the floor playing, you know, it's, it's more realistic in that you're a parent you have other things going on too. You might have other children. So, but we're already talking so much during all of the hygiene activities, talk, uh, dressing, eating, um, changing, all of those activities um, that have to happen throughout the day and then some play and, and book reading and other things, but um, how we can utilize those interactions and those daily routines to build language and communication. The other program that I love is based on the early start Denver model. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's an early intervention program that we use at the UNLV autism center. Um, it is by Geraldine Dawson and uh, Sally Rogers out of the Mind Institute when they were both there. Um, but they have a book that kind of summarizes the Early Start Denver model and as well as, um, you know, communicating, creating um, communication uh, interactions within their your daily routine as well. It uses a little bit more, talks a little bit more about behavior um, because it uses more ABA principles and kind of give parents tools for more of those ABA principles um, than the More Than Words program. But it's called an early start for your child with autism using everyday activities to help kids connect, communicate, and learn. And this program just takes you through basically the Early Start Denver model and what you can be doing at home to promote uh, to promote language and communication and engagement, starting with play and starting about how to capture your child's attention in play and build those engagement skills, which leads to better communication down the road. 
I love it. I love both of those programs and that you mentioned those. And just for the sake of our listeners, I will have those posted on the webpage for you to take a look at later. Um, but I do have a question for you. Are those resources that parents can order online? Yes, both of those are books and DVDs that are available on Amazon um, or anywhere else that books okay. are sold. A lot of local libraries carry the Hannon More Than Words program as probably, and I've checked out the um, Early Start for Your Child book from the li- my local library mm-hmm. before. Um, I know here in Vegas, the, uh, the PBS station the local PBS station has a special needs library where they have specific books specific to um, children with autism and both of those are available through that as well. Thank you for sharing that. I know that will be useful for parents. So my last question for you, Kelly, is what advice would you give parents whose children have been diagnosed with ASD and are struggling to communicate? Oh, I I would just make sure that you are um, looking at different AAC options and different, you know, the thing is about AAC is that um, there's not always just one system, you know, here in in some school districts they're saying that oh your child has to do PECS before we'll consider um a, a device or something like that and I've had kids that don't respond to PECS but have done really well on a device or um you know there's just a lot of different strategies and so just to not give up and just make sure that you're you know um you have to make sure that you're you have a therapist that is um an out-of-the-box thinker that is looking at different options and weighing different options. And that's part of therapy um, is constantly, you know, you never take off your eval hat. You're constantly looking at that child um, every every time you're seeing them with a, as um, as if it's the first time and you're, you know, doing what we call a dynamic assessment because they're constantly changing. And maybe now that we have a little bit more engagement, maybe now's a good time to introduce um, some sort of communication system. And, and we're just, you know, constantly trying uh, new things, but definitely to be aware that AAC um, is out there, um, that there's lots of different options with AAC. Um, The Center for AAC and Autism is a great resource. Um, They are the ones that have developed the LAMP program, which is the language acquisition through motor planning, which is designed specifically for kids with um, AAC or with autism uh, in mind. and I've been really impressed with that um, program as well, just because they have um, they have really taken what are some core deficits of kids with autism, um, and then combined that with what are typical strengths like visual and auditory feedback and. Um, to work on teaching something that is abstract, like language, Um, because, you know, most of our kids with autism are more of those concrete thinkers. Um, So, you know, just that there's lots of options out there, there's lots of tools, um, and just to kind of be aware of your options and making sure that you're with a therapist that um, is able to look at some of these things as well. 
Kelly, I love your advice. I love your knowledge. And I really appreciate that you took the time to share with us today. I think this will be really helpful for parents in the future in helping their own children that have been diagnosed on the autism spectrum. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. 